0: Section five of the Animal Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Zimmerman. The Animal Storybook, edited by Andrew Lang. Chapter five: A Rat Tale by Miss Evelyn Grieve. Huggy was an old rat when he died, very old indeed. He was born in the middle of a corn-rick, and there he might have lived his little life, had not the farmer who owned the rick caused it to be pulled down. That was Huggy's first experience of flitting, and it was done in such a hurry that he hardly had time to be sorry. It was pitch dark when his mother shook him up roughly and told him that he had to come along or else he would be killed by the farmer, and poor Huggy, blinking his sleepy eyes, struggled out of his snug little bed into the cold black night. Several old rats met him at the entrance, and sternly bade him stay where he was and make no noise, for the leader was about to speak. Huggy was wide awake by this time. The rat's spirit of adventure was roused within him by the scent of coming danger, and eagerly he listened to the shrill, clear voice of the leader. "'Friends, old and young, this is not a time for many words, but I want you all to know the cause of this sudden disturbance.' Last night I was scavenging round the farmer's kitchen, seeking what I might devour, when in came the stable-boy tapping an empty corn-sieve which he had in his hand. He said a few words to the farmer, who rose hastily, and together they left the kitchen, I following at a convenient distance. They went straight to the stable and talked for some time with their backs to the corn-bin, which was standing open in the window. After a while I managed to scramble up and peer into it, only to confirm what I dreaded most. The corn-bin was empty Tomorrow they will pull down this rick thresh the corn and replenish the empty bin so my friends unless we mean to die by dog stick or fork we had better be off as soon as it is daylight there was a shuffle of feet all around and a general rush of anxious mothers into the rick to fetch out their young huggy was waiting at the entrance so as soon as he caught sight of his mother he raced off with her to join the fast assembling crowd at the back of the rick The leader ranged them in lines of ten abreast, and after walking up and down to see that all were in their places, he gave a shrill squeak, and the column started. They marched steadily for about two miles, slowly, of course, because of the young ones. Nothing proved to be an obstacle to them. Sometimes a high wall crossed their path, but they merely ran up one side and down the other, as if it were a level road. Sometimes it was a broad river which confronted them, but they swam without hesitation. Rats will not stop at such trifles. At length they came to a field, where a man with a pair of horses was ploughing. His coat, in which his dinner was wrapped, lay on the wall some distance from him. Seeing such a number of rats, he left his horses and ran for his life, and hid behind a knoll, whence he could view the proceedings without himself being seen. To his great disgust he saw the creatures first crowd round his coat, then run over it, and finally eat out of his pocket the bread and cheese his wife had provided for his dinner. That was a stroke of luck for the rats. They had not counted on so early a breakfast. So it was with lightsome hearts that they performed the rest of their journey. Huggy was very glad when it was over. He had never been so far in his life. He was only three weeks old. Their new home proved to be a cellar which communicated on one side with sundry pipes running straight to the kitchen, and on the other with a large ventilator opening to the outside air. A paradise for rats! And as to the inhabitants of the house, um, we shall see. It was early in the afternoon when they arrived, so they had plenty of time to settle down before night. Huggy, having selected his corner, left his mother to make it comfortable for him, and scampered off for a poke around, as he called it. First he went to the kitchen, peeped up through a hole in the floor, and, seeing no one about, cautiously crept out and sniffed into all the cupboards. As he was emerging from the last, he beheld a sight which made his little heart turn sick. There, in a corner which Huggy had not noticed before, lay a huge dog half asleep, and so great was Huggy's fright that he squeaked. Very faint indeed, yet loud enough to set Master Dog upon his feet. Next minute they were both tearing across the kitchen. Huggy was a wee bit in front, but so little he could feel the dog's hot breath behind him. There was the hole. Bump! Scrabble! Scrabble! Huggy was safe! Safe! Yes! But, oh, so frightened! And what made him smart so dreadfully? Why, his tail was gone! Bitten off by the dog! Ah, oh, Huggy, my poor little rat! if it had not been for that foolish little squeak of fright you might have been as other rats are but now huggy almost squeaked again it was so very sad and painful slowly he crept back to the cellar where he had to endure the jeers of his young companions and the good advice of his elders it was some weeks before huggy fully recovered himself and more weeks still before he could screw up his courage to appear among his companions as the tailless rat. But at long and at last he did crawl out, and because he looked so shy and frightened, the other rats were merciful, and let him alone. The old rat, too, the leader, took a great fancy to him, and used to allow Huggy to accompany him on his various exploits, which was considered a great privilege among the older rats, and Huggy was very proud of it. One night he and the leader were out together, when their walk happened to take them, as it generally did. "'round by the pantry. "'As a matter of course, they went in "'and had a good meal off a loaf "'which the careless table-maid had left standing on the shelf. "'Besides the loaf was a box of matches, "'and Huggy could not be happy till he found out what was inside. First he gnawed the box a little, "'then he dragged it up and down, "'then he gnawed it a little more, "'and finding it was not very good to eat, "'he began to play with it. "'Suddenly, without any warning, "'there was a splutter and a flare.' Huggy and the leader were outside in a twinkling, leaving the pantry in a blaze. Luckily, no great damage was done, for the flames were seen and put out in time. So, little by little, Huggy was led on. In vain did his mother plead with him to be careful. He was a big rat now and could look after himself, he said. The following week, the leader organized a party to invade the henhouse. Of course, Huggy was among the number chosen. It required no little skill to creep noiselessly up the broken ladder, visiting the various nests ranged along each side of the walls. For laying hens are very nervous ladies, and if startled make enough noise to waken a town. But the leader had selected his party well, and not a sound was made till the proper time came. Once at the ladder each rat took it in turn to slip in behind the hen and gently roll one egg at a time from under her. The poor birds rarely resisted, Experience had taught them long since the futility of such conduct. It was the young and ignorant fowls who gave all the trouble. They fluttered about in a fright and disturbed the whole house. But the rats knew pretty well which to go to. So they worked on without interruption. When they had collected about a dozen eggs, the next move was to take them safely down the ladder into the cellar. This was very soon done. Huggy lay down on his back, nestled an egg cozily between himself and his two front paws, A feather was put through his mouth, by which means a rat on either side dragged him along. Huggy found it rather rough on his back going down the ladder, but with a good supper in view, he could bear most things. The eggs having been brought thus to the level of the ground, the rats dragged them in the same way, slowly and carefully, down to the cellar. So time went on. Night after night parties of rats went out, and each morning they returned with tales of adventure and cunning, all more or less daring. But the leader was getting old. Huggy had noticed for some time how gray and feeble he was becoming, nor was he much surprised when one day the leader told him that he, Huggy, would have to take his place as leader of the rats. Two days after this the old rat died, leaving Huggy to succeed him, and a fine lot of scrapes did that rat and his followers get into. The larder was their favorite haunt where joints of meat were hung on hooks. "'Quite out of reach of them old rats,' as the cook said. But Huggy thought differently, and in a trice ten large rats had run up the wall and down the hook and were gobbling the meat as fast as they could. But there was one hook in the center of the ceiling, which Huggy could not reach. From this hook a nice fat duck was suspended by a string. "'If only I could get on that hook!' I should gnaw the string, and the deck would fall, and—Huggy got no further. An idea had come to him which he communicated quickly with the others. The plan seemed to be appreciated, for they all ran to an old chair, which was standing just under this difficult center hook. The strongest rat went first, climbed up the back of the chair, and balanced himself on the top. Number two followed, and carefully balanced on number one. Number one then squeaked, which meant he could bear no more. It was a pity he could not stand one more, for as they were the topmost rat could just reach the prize, and though he nibbled all round as far as he could, it was not what might be called a square meal. The cook was indeed amazed when next morning she found only three-fourths of her precious duck remaining. "'Ah!' she said. "'I'll be even with you yet, you cunning beasts!' And that night she sliced up a part of duck with some cheese and put it in a plate on the larder floor at his usual hour when all was dark and quiet huggy and his followers arrived and seeing their much coveted prize under their very noses were cautious but huggy was up to the trick to-night and to-morrow night you may eat it he said but beware of the third so they partook of the duck and enjoyed it that night and the next but the third the dish was left untouched the cook was up betimes times that morning so that she might bury the corpses before breakfast. Her dog, the same dog who had robbed Huggy of his tail, according to his custom, followed her into the larder. On seeing the plate, just as she had left it the night before, the cook, in her astonishment, forgot the dog, who, finding no one gainsay him, licked the dish with infinite relish. (sighs) Poor dog. In spite of all efforts to save him, he died ten minutes afterward and the cook learnt her lesson also, for she never tried poisoning rats again. Here end the chief events of Huggy's life, at least all those that are worth recording. Some years after the death of the dog, I was sitting in the gloaming close to a steep path which led from the cellar down to the river, when what should I see but three large rats coming slowly toward me? The middle one was the largest, and evidently blind, for he had in his mouth a long straw by which the other two led him carefully down the path. As the trio passed, I recognized the center one, to be Huggy the Tailless. The next morning my little Irish terrier, Jick, brought him to me in his mouth. Dead. And I buried him under a gloire de jean in a sunny corner of the garden. Fantastic as some of the incidents may sound, they are nevertheless true, having been collected mainly from an old rat-catcher living in the town of Hawick. End of Section 5 Recording by Rebecca Zimmerman.